Weep in May and joy for the night, but joy's coming up in the morning. Weep in May and joy for the night, but joy's coming up in the morning. Let us be in the spirit of prayer. Lover of our hearts, we inch forward in vulnerable ways today, hoping to hear a word for our lives. Grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom, your holy and infinite wisdom, to know the difference. Amen. Technically, today is New Year's Eve. Today is the final week in the liturgical Christian calendar, what we in these pulpits called sacred time. So there's a three-year cycle of scripture we call the lectionary, and it begins again next week with the first Sunday of Advent. So today, Christians all around the world celebrate the mighty reign of Christ before starting all over on that humble journey to Bethlehem. It is challenging to understand and interpret what the reign of Christ means for 21st century Christians. Without the context of an American monarchy, kings reigning over the earth seems irrelevant. And there are some of us in the pews, and maybe even one in this pulpit, who are uncomfortable with all that masculine language. All the talk of kings and triumphalism and Christendom, all of that stuff of oppressive history. However, as we teach our third, fourth, and fifth graders, we need to employ our brains. And part of our brain is imagination divine imagination. We need to have curiosity when reading our sacred text. We need to know that Christ's reign is both metaphor and irony. On Reign of Christ Sunday, we remember that the kingdom of God or the reign of God to which Jesus pointed constantly is a different kind of kingdom. And it is not trapped in time, but it is fully accessible to us today as much as it was 2,000 years ago. Christ's reign is unexpected. Christ's reign signals to us that God is the one in charge, but it is an upside-down kind of being in charge. The church year appropriately ends with one more reminder that what reigns is not any political power or the almighty dollar. We are reminded that it is love. Love reigns. Love wins today. This day points to the one who consistently holds us, the one, the same one that holds the church in all of creation and wisdom, tenderness, and love. And so today we get to ask ourselves the question, do we live as if the gospel is true? Do we place Christ at the heart, at the center of our lives as Christians?
Today's Psalm 46 speaks to how important it is to do this. It begins with this strong affirmation of trusting God in the most troublesome of situation. God is with us even when the world around us seems like it's falling apart. These past three weeks, we have been studying the Psalms with the help of Walter Brueggemann's book, The Message of the Psalms. And in it, Brueggemann suggests that the lives of people and of communities of people are never static. We're always moving, on the move. And the Psalms reflect that. Brueggemann divides the psalmist's experiences into three categories. A place of orientation, where everything makes sense in our lives. A place of disorientation, in which we have sunk into the pit. And a place of new orientation, where God has lifted us out of despair and we find us in a new place of gratitude and awareness about our lives with God. Last week, we dug into disorientation. We reflected how disorientation isn't something our culture or church does very well. We do a really bad job of talking about it. Instead, we cover up the bad things and reframe them really quickly. We find a pill or a bottle or a yoga class or a new thing to buy on Amazon, or we find a juicy bit of gossip, all to distract us. Anything, anything to keep us from having to dig in and do our work that this moment of disorientation is trying to teach us. There's a Spanish mystic, John the Cross, who made famous a phrase that has passed into our everyday lexicon. It's called the dark night of the soul. And this is the place of disorientation. It is the place where we wrestle with God. It is the place where we connect our childhood wounds and narratives to what's happening in real time. And we can't rush the places of disorientation But if we stay present to it, the dark night of the soul is the place where we endure the discomfort and we learn from it. We accept life on life's terms. Sometimes we can even become okay to not be okay. Disorientation is the channel, the path, and most often even the vehicle for health, growth, and freedom. Now, it's not a question about whether or not disorientation will come, but when. At some point in life, we will lose our sense of stability. The world will become confusing and we'll struggle to put one foot in front of the other. We will scramble to make meaning out of the hardest things and we'll grasp for balance and we'll search for more steady ground over there. But the book of Psalms can help us regain our footing no matter where we are in life. Psalm 46 suggests that it is not up to us to fix things. Our job is to show up and be on the lookout for how God fixes things. The psalmist points to God who is in the midst, right in the middle of the city, a place where fast-paced life, violence, and poverty are inescapable. You cannot cover up the real grit of the urban life. And yet God is still God, right there in the midst of the city, 
God is what gives stability in the midst of the swirling chaos. Brueggemann's model shows us how the Psalms root us in Judeo-Christian theology. The Psalms describe the nature of God and how we relate to God. These songs testify to the intervening action of God to give life in a world where death seems to have the loudest and strongest way. Many years ago, I had an opportunity to work with Walter Brueggemann. He was the lecturer at First Congregational Church in Boulder, and he had this Saturday morning writing workshop where he gave us the assignment of writing our own psalm based on our experiences of orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. And yes, the process revealed my own theology, how I see God and what I believe God has and can do in my life. But it didn't stop there. Writing this three-part message to God was so profoundly pastoral. It gave me so much clarity and comfort. Yes, things might not be as I want them, but life tends to work out. Life has worked out before, so why wouldn't life work out again? This writing process gave value to my hard experiences that ended up growing me as a person and as a Christian in faith. It reminded me that God sees our mistakes and flaws not as things to cover up and be ashamed of, but as opportunities and openings for grace and moments of deeply felt gratitude. The workshop participants were invited to share our new orientations aloud, and we heard some pretty unusual things to be grateful for. For chemotherapy and cancer remission. For newfound love after a painful divorce. For times of confusion that force the psalmist to trust God more. Gratitude for unexpected moments of joy when a bereaved couple never thought they would ever smile again. Gratitude for being able to choose what to wear in the morning after spending three years in prison. Gratitude for open and affirming churches, for sobriety one day at a time, for the ability to choose to terminate a pregnancy. Gratitude for being able to speak and walk after recovering from a stroke, for job terminations, for family reunions, for therapists and Lexapro, for reconciliation and forgiveness, and so much more. Psalms regularly bear witness to the surprising gift of new life when none had been expected. A new orientation is not the old, stable orientation that we were once familiar with. There's no going back. We can never go home again. Rather, grace. Grace is what opens our eyes and gives us new consciousness. And when we see it in our midst, we can't help but to feel real gratitude, a recognition of the goodness of life that comes out of this deeper place. This kind of grace cannot be figured out or manipulated or explained or put into our day planners. Forty-six 
psalm reminds us to be still. Be still and know that God is God. Being present and still is a really good message for American Christians like us. We like to fix and cure and figure out problems. But Psalm 46 reminds us we don't have to force solutions. We don't have to force solutions that often rob us of the gift of new orientation. In the stillness, we have this amazing opportunity to get lost in wonder, love, and praise as the old Wesleyan hymn goes. On this reign of Christ Sunday, of all days, Christians are given the confidence that God does indeed answer and resolve any disorientation that we are going through. We boldly dare to put God in the center of our lives, and we remember to be still with that, to be still and know. It is in that stillness where we are pleasantly surprised by grace, a gift that we as humans, can never usher in ourselves. Thanks be to God. Amen.